Uh, like Clyde, like Clyde said this morning, uh, it's real. It is actually a real privilege to uh, to be able to share uh, this morning. Um, and like Clyde, uh, Derek, he he gave me short notice as well. I think it was Thursday. He asked if I would share this Sunday, and um, obviously you think, oh, far out. What what on earth do I share? But he said, um, yeah, you'll be right. <clears throat> um, no, he didn't say that at all. He said, he said just, just share your heart, what's on your heart. And, um, and so I feel, yeah, I do, I do have a, a message and something I'd like to share that I've actually never, I've never actually shared before, uh, a bit of a story um, of my journey specifically over the last three years to say from period of 2016 to 2018, 2019. So <clears throat> very little time to prepare. Um, so I'm, I'm hearing this for the first time like you guys. So I don't know if it's going to be a, a Holden or a Toyota or a, or, for the, or a Ford or a Toyota, sorry. The title, actually, you know what, let's, before we start, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, we want to thank you for the rain. Thank you for the amazing way and timing in which you send rain, Lord. Just your faithfulness to, faithfulness to um, prayers for rain, Lord. Thank you for sending it. Thank you for the, the life it brings. Thank you for the, the life, the hope it brings to these communities. Lord, as I share, I ask that your words, Lord, would be my words that I could communicate your heart this morning, Father God, in Jesus' name. I titled this uh, message, A Gift in the Desert. You may have heard this before, you may not have, but it's okay not to be okay. One of the biggest topics to and seems to be front and clear in our communities, countrywide and around the world now, is the question, are you okay? You hear it all the time on radio, you see it in every form of media. The mental health space, particularly in rural Australia, is real, complex, and it doesn't discriminate with your age, gender, whether you're successful or not, whether you're happy in life or not, it seems to have no bearing. I used to think people that had depression were obviously people that had just simply hit rock bottom, or people that were seriously ill beyond help were the ones that only get depression. There was a stigma attached to it. You don't talk about it. It's kept hidden in the shadows and you certainly don't want to be around it just in case you might catch it. I had such an ignorant, 
even arrogant, naive attitude towards that kind of condition. Actually, four years ago, I didn't really even know what anxiety was. I just thought it was being slightly worried over something that eventually passed. I had no idea how it really affects your internal world. Like I said, it doesn't discriminate. It just happens. My aim or my heart this morning is not to try and explain why people experience anxiety or depression or why I experienced it or what the cause of it was because I actually don't really know. I know in part there may be things that can contribute to it in life, events and circumstances way upstream of your life that may seem to have been negative are certainly factors for sure. I think like any typical trial or tribulation we face as people, the universal question is always, why is this happening to me? But what I do want to share with you is some of my story of what I experienced, what I learnt from and how God used what I'd call a desert season to turn it around to bring great blessing, ongoing transformation and a resurrection to a new life. I really hope to bring a story of encouragement, freedom and hope to you that when we choose, when we choose to place our lives in the person of Jesus and walk with him no matter what, we're going to be okay. My story became a gift. It was autumn 2016. We had just had some beautiful planting rain leading to the winter crop. The year before 2015 was our first big season. Tracy and I had had since farming in our own right at the end of 2012. And 2016 was shaping up to be another good follow-up. Internally, my life was pretty good, I thought. I, I wasn't really down on anything. I wasn't overly worried about anything at that point. My relationship with God was, was reasonable. I could hear from him fairly well in the ways that I knew that he could speak to me. Life was good. I was healthy. My family was healthy. I've never really had any health problems. About the only thing I thought maybe had been challenging was the few dry years we'd had straight up after taking on part of Doondai. When you become a dryland farmer, you literally become a dryland farmer. Maybe that was a challenge for me after being used to irrigation. I had to adjust to a new context. Anyway, we had a full profile to plant into and I'd had a coffee one morning with our neighbour and we, we were getting excited about what varieties of wheat would plant and this day was like any other. It seemed pretty normal. Anyway, having dinner that night with my family, there was the usual talk about what happened that day I think we talked about how, that, how there was a big crop to plant. All of a sudden, I had this strange sensation come over me. It came out of nowhere. So wasn't on the radar. But to describe it, it was like a wave of fear came over the top of me. I totally froze in my spot. 
I started feeling really hot and I felt like I was feeling sick. I just had to say to my family I needed to be excused and go to bed. As I went to bed though, the sensation of fear grew worse and it felt like everything was closing in on me. Now I've been fearful before, but this was different. It's like I couldn't shake it off. I tried, I tried everything I knew to do. I worshipped, I prayed, I was quoting scripture. Nothing helped. It really rattled me. Somehow I got to sleep. The next day I woke up and things seemed reasonably normal again, but I was totally rattled by the night before. What happened to me? I thought to myself, what was that all about? As time passed, I didn't have an experience like that again for the short term, but it left such a negative memory in my soul. That fear, it really started to affect the, the way I was thinking. Through the day, through the day wasn't too bad, but, not, but by night again, I would be dreading the thought of going through that episode again. As it affected my thinking, I was losing some confidence. I was losing a sense of strength from within myself that I could normally depend on. I would ask God what was going on, but this time he was quiet. I thought, my goodness, what, what is happening? Even God's checked out. What have I done? I remember asking people to pray for me and I would say, can you, can you pray that this fear would leave me? I couldn't really define it or give language to it. I didn't really know why I was so fearful. I just knew I couldn't shake it off. And I grew more and more um, not, not like my usual self. That was about June 2016. By November, December 2016, we'd just finished harvesting a, a reasonable crop of wheat and chickpeas. Though it was a very wet Winter 2016, the chickpeas weren't the best crop due to waterlogging we had. I felt I started to go downhill quick once the harvest was done. It was like I had no more distractions because my mental focus was on the job of getting harvest done and being with my staff through the day. Once that ended, I kind of fell into a bit of a heap. I started not sleeping well at night. Actually, my sleep started going down just prior to harvest. Really shallow, really shallow sleeping and waking regularly through the night. My mind not shutting off and often racing, leaving me completely overwhelmed. All the while this was happening, night after night, you would think the alarm bells would be going off and you'd sought some help. Well, I didn't because I thought, this was something I could handle on my own. I was so unaware what was happening and my poor wife, Trace, lost a lot of sleep too, I think, because I kept on waking her up to say, I, I, can't, I can't sleep. You don't realise the importance of sleep for your body to function well. My day started becoming really hazy. I couldn't really think clearly. I started to feel very disconnected and outside myself. I felt a weight on me that was such a challenge to function in a day. 
Everything became really hard. I knew this was getting really bad, but still I had no language to give it. To be honest, I'm not even sure Trace knew what was happening. But she was helping me the best she knew how. Things like anxiety and depression were just not something that entered my mind to be the cause. This is often a blind spot to people like us who would normally enjoy good health and a strong people internally. I mean, really, we are the people of the Holy Spirit and great faith. This kind of stuff doesn't happen to us. Right? We're the good guys. We have Jesus. How fickle a belief system is that? So where was God in all this? I knew he was with me, although he was quiet. I couldn't hear his voice the way I normally did. I was shattered. I knew he loved me, but whatever it was, I honestly felt like it was trying to take me out and God was not delivering me from it. At that point, you would seriously think I need to ask somebody for help, but again, I didn't. I was blind to what was happening. I was shattered by the life everyone else was living around me. The world outside me was enjoying themselves and really thriving. Meanwhile, I was falling apart internally and out of control and feeling so angry as to why I had to be in that place. I came to a junction one day. Was I going to completely turn my back on the relationship with God? Or no matter what may come, will I trust God and fall into him? Fortunately, by God's grace, I chose the second option. Actually, to be really honest, guys, there was never really any option for me. (laughs) I knew I was so desperate for God's help. It was a defining moment. I spent the next weeks on my knees. I was completely humbled and was going through the greatest challenge of my life. I had no energy, but I was determined to praise God in worship, no matter the circumstances. I knew the enemy. I knew how he worked. I knew he was wanting this season to take me up because he actually hates our relationship with Jesus. I became defiant against that negative. When fear would increase, I would raise my hands, proclaiming the name of Jesus through every Bethel song I had on my playlist. Worship through music became a huge part of my process. Still nothing shifted. My symptoms actually grew worse. From late November to February 2018, I didn't sleep. I couldn't think clearly. Everything was a haze, but I was just on autopilot, in survival mode. Life on the outside probably looked normal to you guys. We were still leading worship, but conversations were really hard. I struggled to focus, and my chest would tighten up in a big crowd, and I'd feel dizzy. But still I smiled it off. Have any of you ever felt like you were out of control internally before? Like you had no control of your emotions and and your functionability was completely shot? It's a scary place. I remember thinking that I wished I only... Sorry, I remember thinking that 
that I wished I was only dealing with like a broken leg. Because that's something external from your mind that you could deal with. You see, one of the complexities to mental health is that it takes, it, it takes all in the place of the epicenter of all of your functionality as a person up here. And when there is a distortion of sorts up here, it affects everything. People who have experienced brain injuries would know this as well. I cried a lot. Not knowing why. How's that for honesty? It seemed to help whatever was building up in me. Tears were a release. After church one day we were just chatting. I think there was Heath... Craig and maybe Dan. Not exactly sure of what we're talking about, but I had to share a bit of these with these fellas that I really trusted and loved what was happening. I hope he doesn't mind, but Craig, Craig is very honest. He'll tell you straight. He'll tell you straight as you know. He said, my... I think he might have some depression. I thought to myself, I don't think so. No way. People like me don't get that. <laughs> I was in denial. I think I was in denial for a couple of weeks. It's astounding to come to terms with that thought and the amount of pride we actually have as men buried within us. I want to shed some light on this moment, the moment we actually can humble ourselves as men to admit, acknowledge and be honest with where we are really at. Then coming to that place of acceptance to the situation is really huge. If you can come to that place, that is huge. Step one to the start of your healing. I accepted. I was so deep in a pit. There was no way where else to go but up. just want to read to you quickly a psalm that was uh, just such a, a comfort, like many of the psalms actually. I don't know if you guys love the Psalms, but the Psalms to me just so reflect, um, yeah, just the, just the realness of life in, in troubled times. I will exalt you, Lord. This is Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you have lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. And by the way, Stu, maybe put some thought into seeing someone in the medical world to help you with your sleeping. 
I took it on board. One of the greatest gifts we can have is being surrounded by community and friends that really love you and will speak the truth to you. I took the next step, checked into the doctor. She was awesome. I shared what was going on and we prayed and we sought what steps we should take. That day was a little breakthrough. I still couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we had turned a corner. It's amazing how when something is brought to light, you can openly talk about it. There's a real healing process that takes place. I don't want to keep harping on, but I think it's important to mention more of the symptoms I was experiencing because maybe I might be articulating someone else's story that you need to identify and sort some help. If I did sleep, it was just the early moments just before the sun came up. I would be completely exhausted and overwhelmed because I would get up, but I didn't really know what I should be doing. I remember standing in the kitchen, um, just standing in the kitchen, just trying to focus on what I was doing uh, and, and get myself together and try to breathe, to calm down. Tracy was such a big help through those moments. Just one foot in front of the other. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Just do one job and try and focus on that. I hated being alone. I needed one of the kids with me all the time. And the thought of driving down the farm on my own to do a job, I would just have a panic attack. Having Gussie with me when I would go out to do something, having Gussie with me would actually keep me grounded. It was something that would keep me grounded and would keep me present, feeling present. I couldn't watch the news. I, I couldn't actually watch TV. In general, I, I think I went off TV for almost a year. I, it, just made me, it just made me feel so anxious. It's weird, isn't it? Fortunately, it didn't, it didn't affect my love of coffee, though. So what started every day first up in the morning was coffee and Jesus time. I was limited to two coffees per day, though. It would just amp me up too much if I had more than two coffees. Aaron might know something about that, too. Came home from church one day. And feeling completely sorry for myself, I just had to go outside in the fresh air. I was so flat, so needing God to say something. I completely had the head drop. I thought to myself, Father, where are you? I was shocked. There was, a, there was just a moment of silence. And then I kind of lifted my head and for the first time in months I heard his voice. I raised my head. I remember exactly where I was standing outside. Stu, I'm preparing you for a great blessing in your life. Tears welled up. I hung off every word. I couldn't believe it. That quiet, still, small voice is real. I heard it again after all this time, but his voice this time, it was a bit different. 
there was compassion, there was empathy in his tone. I woke up the next day, still the same complexities, but as I spent time with him in quietness and just being aware of his presence with me, it's like the Holy Spirit started to give me some steps to take to start moving forward again. And each morning as I'd spend time with him in his presence and his word, I felt he started to give me a framework for the next steps. My breathing was shot. I was in survival mode. So so, he, um, so I have an auntie who was a counsellor and she was able to give me some tools to be able to start breathing again. You don't realise that um, just how the body, God designed the body to breathe, to, to breathe properly. Um, I was in a very survival mode of sh- short, shallow breaths and she was able to teach me to train myself to breathe properly again, which made a, a huge difference to my, yeah, my day, I guess. I caught up with my GP. We got right, we got the right medications for sleep and to help the anxiety. I've got to say as a side note, um, I really believe that there is a place um, in the medical world um, with these sorts of things. Um, I think it's, it's, it's finding and asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom in, in which way to go and all that sort of stuff. I've heard of some really bad stories of um, where people thought, no, you know, that's, you know, getting help, it's not in the Bible. And the repercussions of that were actually devastating. God is in medicine. He's in medicine. I finally started to get sleep again. That was helping me again with my brain function and getting functioning again with day to day. However, when I felt I needed some tools to be able to overcome moments when overwhelmed, it just so happened of a friend of mine from school, Gretchen, she's a psychologist and she loves Jesus and she was a huge help to me, especially having that prayer support and some valuable tools to navigate my way. Little by little over time, the Holy Spirit would just bring certain people across my path at the right moments to help me. There are a lot of factors that contribute to the road of wholeness. Realising the importance of community, relationships, your family, most importantly your relationship with Jesus. Even serving and blessing others are so important. I have to say I didn't I have to say this all didn't happen overnight. There was a process to go on in which we take time. But you have to be willing and have to accept and go through the process. There's there's no shortcuts. God is a God of process and he will walk with you each leg of the way. One of the striking things I've, I, I found is that in these, these 
trials or in these weaknesses, never once ever did Jesus or the Holy Spirit ever say, mate, where, where's your faith, mate? Fair thinking. Where is, where's your faith? Why are you so weak? You should be strong. You've got to chuck that false theology out. It's, it's not the truth. In fact, I, I found the opposite. I found a merciful, ever-present help in the person of Jesus that would actually come beside me and say, mate, I'm, I'm with you in this. It's, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to do this together. That's the beauty of a relationship. That's the relationship that he is inviting each one of us into. My relationship with Jesus grew deeper. And as, as I made him everything in my life, there was like a recalibration that took place. I believe my relation and that I believe my relationship with my wife and my beautiful kids grew deeper. My priorities changed. Things I overvalued became secondary. And things that I hadn't placed enough value on became my delight. I love my wife and my children. I love being a father. I learned a lot about myself. I learned, I learned what my limita- limitations are. I think it's a very healthy thing to know what your limits are because we're not invincible. I learned a lot about how God designed us and even how the brain works and how the human mind functions. Did you know your brain can be trained to think differently? In the medical world, it's called neuroplasticity. In God's word, it's called renewing your mind. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to tell what God's good, pleasing, perfect will is. You cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this in your own strength. If some of you are thinking, well, that's great, Stu. I don't share the same faith as you, but I'm not sure your faith could help me. Can I suggest, if I didn't have Jesus through this, I probably wouldn't be here. It's a sobering thought. He is the reason we are alive. There is no other hope and security apart from him. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The Holy Spirit took me on a process of healing my broken soul one piece at a time. He took me on a journey on forgiveness. I had to realise that no matter what I have done in my past, when I received his forgiveness and received his salvation, I was forgiven. And that forgiveness process continued on in forgiving other people. And you actually have to forgive yourself as well. You actually have to forgive yourself. 
Jesus showed me my true identity was never, never tied up in what I did or my ability to perform. He slowly removed false belief systems and showed me the truth of his word of who I am as a son. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. My internal world was shifting. I was thinking clearer again. The fog was lifted. I had a peace and my joy was coming back into my life. I could smile again. I learnt the gift of needing community again. I really treasure my relationships with people. I think I'm start, and I think I'm starting to have a greater capacity to emphasise with people who go through hard times way more than I did. A gift in the desert became a launching pad into a new life from the inside out. The very thing that was set out to maybe destroy me God turned it around for good. Life is rich. I'm so grateful for everything God has done in my life. I feel like I've been raised to new life again. There is something about hard times, if you're intentional, can grow your capacity to have compassion and empathy. The gift is... The gift in the trial is that you can actually help somebody and be more understanding of when others hurt. The other thing I learned is I can't fix people. Only Jesus can. I find myself these days wanting more to listen, listen to people and not immediately try and fix the, fix the situation. I'm not sure why I said that, but maybe it can help someone. I'm so grateful for my wife. She was there too beside me the whole way. I love my children. I love the way the Holy Spirit speaks through their world to enter into mine. I really wouldn't actually change anything. I learned that in the desert we have an amazing Father who is good, who ne- will never leave us nor forsake us. And the person of the Holy Spirit who never belittles us when we struggle, but gently puts his arm around us and is so committed to walking alongside us every season. The one who transforms us and speaks the truth over us, reminding us of who we are in Jesus. And to Jesus, you are my healer and my saviour. In closing, I want you to know I'm still on a journey. I haven't arrived at some problem-free destination, but I have an awareness now what the Father is up to. He's transforming us to be more and more like his son Jesus. And so I leave what lies behind. I leave it. And I press on to take hold of the one who has taken hold of us. If you're here listening to this and in your world at the moment, you're not okay, that's okay. But please reach out to someone to get some help.
because it's not okay to stay in that place. Amen. Thanks very much, Stu, for your honesty.